This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. Um, first of all, has anyone here ever felt like fear got in the way of you doing something you wanted to do, achieving something, trying something new? Okay, most of you. Okay, good. One of my, my fearful recurring dreams is that I show up at the wrong place to give a talk. And so I just want to make sure I'm in the right venue, which I think I am now, because we're all here on the same page. I also just found this um, <clears throat> on our last trip. There was a great sign on the wall. It kind of gives me reassurance <laughs> when I'm worried about whether I'm going to please everybody with what I have to say, you know. I'm not an avocado. Well, don't, don't ruin the dream for me, okay, Eric? Just keep it quiet. I'm not an avocado. I'm not an avocado. So I want to talk about fear today. And first of all, I've got to back up. So right about the year 2000, when everybody was scared sleepless about Y2K destroying the world and everything coming tumbling down. Do you remember that? Well, right about that time, I was playing around with my digital cameras that were kind of the new trendy thing. Nobody knew how to use them yet because they were crappy as heck. But I knew that this digital camera was going to be the future of photography, and I'm a professional photographer. So I got one. I learned how to use it. I started shooting weddings with this first beautiful new digital crappy camera, and I was getting some pretty great results doing weddings. And I was sitting there in my little office garage thinking, I want to share this with a trade magazine, but I'm scared. One of, the, one of the problems with growing up with an amazing family and a mom that encourages you and tells you you're great all the time is that when you realize you're not always great, it really is kind of scary. <laughs> because you've been told that your whole life. And so that was something I had to face. And so I called this magazine. Well, I didn't have to call. I could email them. And I sent images in that I'd shot these weddings with my new digital camera and then just put it out of my mind. And the next day, they called me back, and they said, hey, we love your stuff. We want to put you in a magazine issue that's coming up. We're going to do a feature spread on you and your wedding photography. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yes, and the next day, I get another call from the magazine. They say, oh, by the way, Nikon, who happens to be the biggest camera manufacturer in the world at the time, saw your images, and they would like to actually put you in an ad. They're doing a five-page spread, advertorial, and these, all the photographic magazines, we want to, they want to feature you because you're using their new camera and doing weddings. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then the next day I get a call from Nikon, and they say, oh, can you be our keynote speaker at the next photographic convention in Las Vegas? And this is WPPI, which is the biggest photography convention in the world. It's held in Vegas. Typically, there are thousands of people in attendance, tens of thousands of people in attendance. Have you heard of glossophobia? <laughs> One of the biggest fears in the world, you guys know what it is, right? One of the most common fears is a fear of public speaking, which goes along with the fear of uh, social anxieties. There's a whole lump of those, which we'll talk about a little bit. So I had to now face not only exposing myself to the world, but glossophobia, which I did have a bit of. I had never done any real public speaking. And here I am off to Vegas to represent the biggest camera manufacturer in the world with their name all over my stuff. And so I show up at Vegas. I've been so nervous getting ready for this talk that I made myself literally sick. 
like with a flu, fever, ready to like barely stand up. I'm popping all the drugs to get up there. I get up on, into the, the, the room, and then I, I go into this giant ballroom that seats 5,000 people maybe. There's nobody there because I'm there early, of course, right? Walk into the back, and I'm just like, I think I'm going to throw up, you know, and I'm going to, okay, what do I got to do? What do I do? I do meditate, 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 meditate. And all of a sudden I hear, Kevin, you're on. <sighs> so I open the curtain and walk through, and the 5,000 room is full of people. People sitting on the floor along the walls. They're sitting because the chairs were full. And all I could do was cry. <laughs> I just started crying. I said, I can't believe you guys are all here to see me, which is not really a great way to start your presentation, generally. <laughs> They're like, we came to see this crybaby? What, what's up? Anyway, I don't know what happened. I have no idea what I said, but apparently it went well. I remember when it was over, my assistant walked me outside, and I saw my hero, the photographer who was the most famous wedding photographer at the time. His name was Joe Busink. And he was standing outside, and he goes, great job, Kevin. And he like, went to high-five me, and I passed out. <laughs> I literally blacked out. And the next thing I know, I'm outside on a park bench, and Joe's sitting there like waving me. Kev, 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 you all right? You all right? I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that big facing of a fear led to the start, the launching of travel, teaching, my dream career as a photographer and teacher that lasted until now, still going. But it only because I faced that big, big fear, number one, sending my stuff in and getting critiqued and facing people, saying this is what I do. Well. A few years later, I got to go to Peru on one of my teaching gigs, and I took my family, took Nico, this is 2014, I believe, he's about 12 years old, and we were up in Machu Picchu. And my family went, I did my speaking gig, now we're all cruising, and we decided we're going to take a tour, and this tour is going to be mountain biking down the mountains in Machu Picchu, so we signed up, we went and got our mountain bikes, got bussed up to the top of the hill, and Claire and I separated, Claire went with Kai, said, I'm going to go with Nico. And the mountain bike down the mountain was literally, they took us in a bus to the top 14,500 feet into the top of a rainy, cloudy mountain, and we were going to just bomb down the roads through the misty, rainy hill to the bottom on our own. This is like, okay, here you go, jump on a bike, they push you down the hill, and you go. And that was our experience. And so I got out of the bus, looked at these bikes, and these were the worst bikes I had ever seen in my life. So I'm like... Claire, get over here right now, get, get a bike because these suck. We're going to die on these bikes if you don't get one that has brakes at least. Come on. So she got over there. She got Kai on a bike. I got Nico on a bike, and we started bombing down the hill. So I'm following Nico down the hill, you know, and, and literally there's fog and there's mist, and you can't see, and there's hairpin turns, and I'm, I'm right behind Nico, and I keep noticing Nico's like drifting towards the center line, drifting, and I'm like, Nico, Nico, get back over, and he's like drifting, drifting. So we come around this one big hairpin turn, and as he's drifting towards the center line, right in front of me, as I'm following him, a bus starts coming around the corner over the center line, right towards Nico. And I shit you not, people, this is the parent's scariest thing in the world, to be watching your child, what you think is going to die, in front of you. 
and you've got a few split seconds to reckon with this. And I saw the him go, 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 and the bus coming, 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 and somehow he managed without, I don't know, inches to spare, get away from this bus. I said, Nico, pull over. We pulled over. I got off the bike. I said, give me your bike. I'm riding that bike down the rest of the way. You get on my bike. And Nico goes, I can do this, Dad. I'm going to ride this bike. And that is the moment of truth as a parent, right? Do you say, hell no, get off that bike. I'm riding that shitty bike down the hill. You get on my bike. Or do you say, I'm going to let him face his own fear and overcome it. And that was one of the hardest decisions I had to make as a parent was letting him stay on that crappy bike. And he said, the bike doesn't turn right, Dad. <laughs> it literally was stuck. It doesn't turn right. And I, I tried it. I'm like, You're, it doesn't. So I let him get back on that bike. We somehow made it down to the bottom of the hill. And I know that that spirit of, I'm going to do this, lives in that boy. And I, and I know if anybody who knows Nico would recognize the same. And that was the hardest, hardest lesson I had to learn was to let him face his own fear. I couldn't do it for him. And I could have lost him. Not too much longer later, well, a lot of years later, last month, we went to Machu Picchu again. And we took a group with us. Much more cheerful conditions this time, except that right before we're ready to go on our trip with our group, and everybody had signed up, we had a group of 12, 15 people we're going to take. Uh, you guys have all heard about the uproaring and the political unrest that just happened in Peru not too long ago, right? So before our trip, of course, we're all excited about it, but they uh, started announcing, oh, there's unrest, it's dangerous, don't go. And a couple of people in the group said, we're going to have to cancel. We're, we're just afraid. We're afraid to go. And um, I can't say that we weren't afraid, that I wasn't afraid. But it also led to some, what I'm going to share is one of the most amazing experiences that I think for those that were on the trip, as well as for myself and for Claire, as we navigated it. And I'll tell you about this trip, but first of all, let's talk about this. There are three faces of fear. In my experience, there are three faces of what fear can look like. And number one, of course, is what we all know, rah, right? The fear that it, you should be scared of this. This is the danger in your face, lying going to eat you, bus coming at you, <laughs> bike going into a bus, whatever it is. Yes, this is the good kind of fear. You need to be aware of it. The second kind of fear is a fear that is really more of a discomfort that we don't think we can do something that other people are doing and surviving and thriving through, but we can't do it. For some reason, we can't do it, right? This is the, that fear of public speaking. It's the fear of putting yourself out there. It's the fear of applying for that job. It's the fear, the fear of saying hi to that person that you really want to meet because you want a new partner or you want a new friend and you're just scared. The crazy thing about these kinds of fears is that almost never has anyone ever really been hurt by facing these fears. How often have you been, maybe some of you in this room have experienced this, have you gone out to do public speaking engagement, you do your talk and you're done and somebody comes up to you and goes, you know what, your talk sucked, I hate you, I'm a hacker and I've hacked your bank account and I've drained all your money 
and I want you to, to spread your legs. I'm going to kick you in the crotch right now. <laughs> How, has that happened to anybody? One time. One time. <laughs> okay, so one time maybe, all right? But statistically, it doesn't happen that often. And that's somehow the fear we put on ourselves by just putting yourself out there. What's the worst that could happen? They laugh at you. You guys are laughing at me. I don't care. Well, with me, whatever. This is the kind of fear that we really need to dig into. And we're going to talk about that. Because this is the kind of fear that really holds us from becoming who we're meant to be. The third kind of fear, I think, is actually the scariest kind because it's complacency. You don't even know it's there. It's the fear that keeps you from getting up and doing or trying something. Not because it's particularly scary, because you're just scared of change. You're scared of loneliness. You're scared of being out there, putting yourself out into the world, and you might be left alone, you might be judged. So you just stay in your comfort zone. And I think this is actually kind of the, the most ominous and pernicious type of fear because you don't know it. You don't know you're scared of something. You just think, I'm comfortable. Are you comfortable? Or are you afraid of change and growth and shining like a bright star that you know you are? Right? I love this one from Dale Carnegie. You guys have heard of this dude, right? Inaction breeds doubt and fear, but action breeds confidence and courage. And if you want to conquer fear, don't sit at home and think about it. Go out and get busy. And this is absolutely true. This is absolutely true. So one of the biggest things that I deal with, and we encountered this on our trip, what's the difference between intuition saying, nope, that's not the right path for you, and your fear saying, don't do this? What's the difference? Well, it's hard to say exactly, but I found some ways to narrow it down because it's important to tell the difference between intuition and fear. So on our trip, the people that, that canceled out because they were scared of all the, the news reports and everything like that, they, one of them is, and she calls herself an intuitive healer. She said, my intuition tells me I should not go on this trip. It's going to be dangerous. And that's why they backed out. And who am I to say that her intuition wasn't correct? Other than, spoiler alert, we're alive. What's the difference between intuition and fear? Well, intuition, fear feels more like a pushing. Like it's pushing you away, it's, you're scared of, it's, it's bringing you down, there's a heaviness, a feel to it. It's definitely a pushing, a pushing away. Where an intuition is a drawing in. One of our attendees, Kim, shared with me about the feeling at the beginning of, I was meant to go on this trip. I just felt called to it. And sure, she had some, some hesitation about the, all the political stuff and all that, but she said, I just feel like I'm supposed to be there. Like, I need to go. It was a pulling. That was her intuition, pulling her towards something really beautiful for her. So what do, you, what do you think when you think about your fears? Now, can you separate intuition from fear? Can you feel the pulling versus the pushing? It can be different. That's a really important thing to distinguish because there's a fine line sometimes between the intuition and the fear. So, how do you, how do you work through it? 
We have fear. We know we've got to face the fear. There is no way around it but to face it. That's one of the things about fear is there's no such thing as saying, well, someday I won't be afraid of heights, and then I'll go rock climbing. Someday I won't be scared of jumping out of an airplane, and then I'll go skydiving, right? It doesn't happen. You don't ever get, just lose those fears. The only way to get through it is to go through it. That's the only way to work through fear is to face it. There's nothing you can say or do that will convince you otherwise other than facing it, doing it. Three of the things. There's a lot of things you can do if you look online. There's like all these things like facing your fear, meditation, breathing exercises, blah, blah, blah. All that's good. I'm not making fun of that. But here are the three that I found the most powerful for me. Number one is involve other people. What does that mean? Tell people I'm afraid. Tell people this is a hard thing for me to do. This is a challenge for me. Can you help me? Put your hand on me and let's pray. Pray with me. Okay? Or have them walk with you. One of our, my favorite experiences on our, our Peru trip last year was climbing to the top of Rainbow Mountain. And Lorraine was one of those that survived that ordeal with us where we were climbing to about 16,500 feet, was it? It was literally where it's like one foot, whoo, next foot, whoo, <laughs> up, 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 up. And as we got closer to the top, there was Lorraine and a couple others sitting there on the bench. We can't do it. We can't go. And the top was in sight right there. But Washi, our guide, came up along and said, what the hell are you doing? Come here. Grabbed their hands and literally towed them up <laughs> to the top. And she made it. And Lawrence made it. That was, that was hard climb, even for my, myself, and I'm used to doing these things. That was a hard, hard climb. But it took somebody else's hand supporting her, encouraging her, pulling her <laughs> up that hill to make it happen. And I, you could ask her, I'm sure that was one of the highlights of her life, was to be up there and say, I did it, and to have that insanely beautiful view as close to God as you can get right there. And she did it. One of the other things you can do, of course, is a gut check and reality check. So a gut check simply goes like this. This is how you kind of separate the intuition and the fear. You say to yourself, take three breaths, who, three. Okay, and there's the line up there. Does saying yes to this make me feel expansive or contracted? And immediately what you feel, what you hear, is the intuition. And I did that when we went to our, we were getting, we were deciding if we we're going to cancel our trip to Peru because of all the unrest and things. I did this many times. <sighs> is this the right thing for us to do? <sighs> yes, yes, yes. <sighs> but, oh, what about this and the warnings and the websites and da, 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 da. That comes after, but the first reaction was, yes, you need to go. You have to go. And that's what kept me following that path. Now, reality check is pretty simple. A lot of people do this thing where they'll put a, you know, a line of paper. I think Jim Pasmore shared in one of our men's group, draw a line of the paper and put the pros and the cons, and you can kind of line them up and just go, okay, more pros than cons. I'm going to do it despite the fact that I'm scared to death of this, blah, blah, blah. And that works. That can work. For me, it's simply just looking at the actual details. So here's a funny one. 
the people that canceled, they said, uh, we're not going to go because we've been reading the websites, we've been looking at the news, the, the U.S. website says there's a warning, we shouldn't go to Peru, it's dangerous, I don't want to go. We're not going to go. And I, I wasn't going to argue with them, so okay. We tried to talk about it, we tried to talk about it. So I just went online, I started looking at what does it actually look like online if someone's going to come to the U.S.? What are they going to see as a warning on the website? <laughs> Do you know what it says? On New Zealand's website, exercise, increased caution, terrorism in the United States. Here's what it says. Exercise, increased caution, levels two of four due to threat of terrorism. The United States remains a target of terrorist interests, both from international terror groups and from domestic-based extremists. Attacks could be indiscriminate, including places visited by foreigners. Crime, petty crime, theft, pickpocketing can occur, particularly in urban centers. You should avoid crossing the border by car to Mexico from Arizona, California, because there are drug gangs and they're going to kill you. There's a higher incidence of violent crime and firearm possession than in New Zealand. Duh, right? In many states, it's legal for United States citizens to openly carry firearms in public. Don't go to the United States, people. You could be shot in a gunshot, gunfight. This is what it says right now on New Zealand's warnings about the United States. If you were a New Zealander, would you want to come to the United States? No. Oh, don't forget the civil unrest and political tension, protests and demonstrations regularly occur. Protests and rallies, even those intended as peaceful, have the potential to result in violence. Don't go to the U.S. The U.K. website has a very similar, I won't read it all to you, but it's almost, almost the same. So I'm thinking, okay, all these places we go to visit, they have the same warnings. They always say this. Ours is even worse than what it said about Peru. Why am I going to back out of Peru? Why would I not go to this amazing country that, in my experience, has the most beautiful, peaceful people I've ever encountered? And, of course, we continued on with our journey. Spoiler alert, I'm alive. <laughs> so why do we face your fears? I did this uh, image for my karate group a, a few years ago. Uh, one of my fear-facing challenges was to take martial arts as a late 40-something person, with my, mainly to encourage my boys to do it, but it was a fear that I had. Could I get in there and get beat up by 20-something-year-olds on a regular basis? And it comes, I can, I can take it, and I quit after a while <laughs> because it just didn't feel good. But I faced that fear, and I, I went in there, and I did it, and I sparred, and I took some lickens and I gave some lickens, but overall I decided this wasn't for me. But I didn't quit because I was scared of anything. I just realized I wanted to hike Machu Picchu rather than get my knee kicked in by 20-year-olds, so that's why I quit. There was a good motive behind it, but I did this image for this, for this group because their whole motto was face your fears, which I find is a beautiful motto for my own personal life, facing your fears. And one of the cool things about fear is it tells you what you need to do to improve your life. Fear is not a bad thing, right? Fear leads you to what you need to grow as a human. One of the um, interesting things that I started to meddle with when I thought about this, these people that didn't go on the trip and she said her intuition told her it was not right to go 
And in, in retrospect, it turned out to be one of the most amazing, beautiful trips we ever had. But could her intuition have been right? Could it have been a self-fulfilling prophecy? Can your fear actually manifest into something terrible because you won't let go of the fear? Right? And that's why fear is self-fulfilling. Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, they told me to try this thing and I did and I knew it was going to be bad and it was. <laughs> well, if you were so assured that it was going to be bad and it was going to suck, well, of course it did. Of course it did. You, that's prayer. You affirm what you want to happen. So are we fulfilling our fearful expectations or do we turn them around? When we climbed uh, this peak here, you can kind of see in the background, that's Machu Picchu in the foreground and Huayna Picchu in the back, which is a steep, steep peak behind it that only a limited number of people get to climb it every day. Um, most people don't do this. Very, very small percentage of people who visit Machu Picchu climb Huayna Picchu uh, because they're scared and it's, it's, it's hard. It's steep, it's exposed. You get to the top and there are little tiny steps and you're right up on the edge of a cliff and we hear stories of people falling off of it and bonking their heads and getting like little boo-boos and stuff. <laughs> and it started to actually get me a little fearful because I'm, I'm a rock climber, but I'm also scared of heights, which seems ironic, but it's true. I can, you can do both. And as we got ready to go, half of our group said, we're going to do it. The other half said, nope, I don't want to do that or for whatever reason. And one of the people that wanted to do this was Kim, who's here with us today, a friend from our trip. And when she told our guide that she was going to do this climb with us this morning, we woke up, it was raining, it was misty, we thought it would be slippery and scary, and she said, I'm going to go, I'm going to climb, and the guide gave her this look like, you're going to, you're going to go? <laughs> and she immediately like, was like, hmm, <laughs> maybe he knows something I don't know, you know? So we get to the gate to get in there, and, we, and we're, it's that the final moment, like, if you're going to go, you're, you're in, you go. If you're not, you stay and you go back and maybe you can do one of the easier hikes. And she's standing at the gate and we're all in. We're like, Kim, you coming? Kim, you coming? And Washi's on the other side. No, Kim, stay back with us. We're safe. You know, and she's like, uh, 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 uh. And then she's like ready to go that way. And the last second she goes, fuck it. Sorry. <laughs> heck, sorry. Heck with it. I'm going. And she jumps through the gate, follows us in, and we start our climb up Machu Picchu, Huayna Picchu. And what was beautiful is that she wasn't the fastest one up there. Of course, I think Kai was, my other son. But she wasn't the slowest one up there either. She was right at her own pace, doing it perfectly. And she told me later that she, one of the things she did was she prayed in her own way, asking her father, who had passed, to be with her to help her. She asked for help. What a beautiful gesture. And what she shared with me is that he was there. And she powered up this thing. She told me she did not feel any fear. She used to be scared of heights. She doesn't know why. She didn't feel any fear. Got to the top, said hello to her dad. And she said, coming down, like the guide was trying to all scared about her missing her footsteps or whatever. And she's like, get away from me. I got this, you know, <laughs> coming down. And she said, literally, I felt like I could fly. Isn't that right, Kim? Like she could touch the sky. 
It was, it was an amazing thing to witness and to be part of and to share. We can do hard things. Fear doesn't have to stop us from experiencing the most beautiful, beautiful things in the world. Now, if she was physically unable to do it, we had some in our group that just physically, as much as they wanted to, wasn't fear, but they just couldn't do it. And that's, that's, that's legit. Don't kill yourself. But if you think you can do it, and you're afraid to do it, I say do it. Eleanor says you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. You're able to say to yourself, I have lived through this horror. I could take the next thing that comes along. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. What a great little bit of truth, don't you think? Faith, why are we here today? Why are we all here today? Anybody, anybody having to shout something out other than play music? Yes, I know. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Victor. Because we are here. Okay. We believe in... Why are, some, why are you here? This is not a test. I'm not going to criticize you or anything. I just want to know. Why are you here? Community. Beautiful. Faith in God. Okay. Whatever God is for you, of course, your faith in the knowing, in spirit, knowing that whatever you do, you will be taken care of. All will be well. That's what it is to me. That's what leads us through fear is faith. That you know, no matter what happens, you will be taken care of. All will be well. Even if it's scary, you will survive and thrive. And I think that's what the core of faith has to do with fear and why they can live side by side. Because by its very nature, faith derails fear. How can you say, I have 100% faith that everything's going to go okay, no matter what? It may not go easy, but it will be okay. It will be for my best and be fearful at the same time. They don't jive. If you are 100%, not, not all of us are at that 100% faith point where we can say, I have 100%, 10%, 110% fear or faith <laughs> that I can do whatever I want and I'll be okay. But if you were at that point, you would have literally no fear. So did you guys get a card uh, passed out there? We have more cards. If you need a card, we're going to do a really quick one. Grab it, raise your hand if you don't have an index card and a pen. Russell will bring one over for you guys. I always like for us to write something to think about as we exit our programs. Yeah. Grab a card here from Russell. Thank you, Russell. Good, good, good. Here's a couple more over here. All right, on your card, on one side, I want you to, if you would, think pretty hard about this one. What would you do if you weren't afraid to do it? What would you do 
if you weren't afraid to do it. <laughs> and this could be a big thing or it could be a little thing in your head, in your mind. What's one of those things that you've always wanted to do but you're, you're afraid? Maybe you don't even know that your label for it is fear, but you just haven't done it for some reason. Because my guess is it's probably fear underlying that. What would you do if you weren't afraid to do it? And this is only for you. I'm not going to make you share or put it on the wall for all to laugh at or anything. So, On the other side of your card or below that, you can also write. This is all you're going to write now. How could your life be different if you had faced or to face this fear? How could your life be different if you faced this fear? What do you think you'd experience? Where do you think you would be? Who do you think you would meet? How do you think you would feel? Where would your confidence level be? Would your health be different? Your joie de vie, your love of life feel different? These are only for you. And what I would hope that you would do is to hang on to this, maybe put it somewhere where you can see it daily, remind yourself, and get to a point where you're going to make a decision whether you are going to try to face fear in your life and become all that you're meant to be. Because one of the things that I believe about spirit is that we are designed to shine. Do you guys agree with me? We are spiritual beings designed to shine our light. And we can't shine our light when we're buried in fear. So fear is keeping us from shining and being everything that we're meant to be in the world. But what if you could? What if you didn't have fear to face? I think that there are basically two groups of people. Some of us are going to live our lives in fear, avoiding things that are challenging, hard, uncomfortable, and those of us that are going to face fear and use it as a lighthouse, a lighthouse to guide you. Fear is not the enemy, but fear is the thing that shows you what you need to do to grow, where you need to be next. That's what fear is. It's not the enemy. It tells us when there's danger, when there's a cow running towards us with mad, mad hooves, and they're going to stomple on you, yes, get out of the way. Thank you, fear. The rest of the time, it's just basically saying, you're uncomfortable with this. And that's it. This is where you need to grow. This is your growing edge. <clears throat> Marilyn says, we should all start to live before we get too old. Fear is stupid. So are regrets. <laughs> and I tend to agree. I think that one of the most amazing things we can do as spiritual beings is to live a fearless life. So maybe the next time you hear those words in your head like, I'm scared, I can't do this, what will they say? Ooh, it makes me uncomfortable. Maybe instead you could say, hmm, is that truly fear, danger, or is that spirit saying, 
this is your next opportunity to shine for the world.